Welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I am your other host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by the lovely folks over at Honey Badger. And that's it. Thank you, Honey Badger. On with the show. Starting the show. Here's a show. Yep. D. Cole. What up? I gotta tell you, man. Tell me. I... I'm... Please tell me. I don't want to program. I don't want to do anything but fly fish. Mm. I'm Mm. hooked, as the fish say. It would have been more convenient had you gotten really into fly fishing around the beginning of your sabbatical. I know. It's so funny. (laughs) Sabbatical began. Instead of around the end of your sabbatical. (laughs) Right. And now, I'll, and I have right. I have more work than ever to do. <clears throat> Add on to that uh, full stack Europe. Uh, right. I have like one week left existing here until I'm in Europe, right. and I have to get until my talk Europe. completely ironed out and straight. Do actual freelancing work. Keep live wire afloat, and all I want to do is fly fish. Mm. Like bad. Like it's very bad. Mm. Like yesterday. Yeah. I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, I woke up and I went fishing. And I didn't even worry about it. I just fished. I met people. I met this dude. Super cool dude. Turns out he's a guide. He's like the only... Everybody else on the stream is like... I live near world-class steelhead fishing and didn't even know it. It's like steelhead or giant rainbow trout. Sure. World-class. Like, it's known as Steelhead Alley. Like, Lake Erie and Mm. Ontario tributaries. And I live right there. Like, 10 minutes away from my house. Little did you know, you were at a gold mine. It's insane. Like, I knew that because I've had friends growing up who were like, oh, yeah, catching steelies with my dad in the fall. Like, I don't know. I never sure. really didn't know. But it's funny because I... You didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know what you didn't I've know. I lived so close to this this creek, 18 Mile Creek. Once you're in the creek, you're in a different world. It's insane. It's beautiful, deep gorge, beautiful creek, and all these dudes who are doing the same thing that you're doing, which is just fishing every day. There's like fly bums they tent on the stream and they're so hardcore they just eat the fish that they catch (laughs) that's actually they don't most like elite fly fishermen that i've encountered don't ever keep fish unless they really wound them yeah it's they're so elite it's this like like how how yeah i don't know it's kind of crazy it's totally crazy so anyway i'm completely hooked that's all i want to do Mm. And, uh, but I have to do this stuff, you know, when, uh, when I was in the fish taco industry, (laughs) our, um, our slogan for Woody's fish tacos was get hooked. Really? Yes. Nice. Well, because it was a fish taco. Well, you're hooked on fishing. Like, I know that's what more appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) You got snagged. They got you. One between your lip and gum. <laughs> oh, there's a... Oh, I don't know. Because now I'm like digging in blogs, mm-hmm. podcasts, everything. Mm-hmm. And there's all these cute names. Everybody's got a cute name. Oh, sure. I forget. One of them had to do, do with lip. Like something lip. I don't know. Kind of a gruesome cute name. Did you name. hear that podcast episode? I think it was... Could it have been Reply All? About the fly fishing lure feather heist 
<laughs> no. <laughs> so the when you, so there's a whole sub scene inside of fly fishing of like tying lures. Right. Um, and you use like certain types of feathers and stuff to do it. Yeah. It's like when and, you go to the fly shops, it's like the arts and crafts section in the Hobby Lobby. It's very right, exactly. funny. Like there's all the lures and but then the, there's all the arts and crafts. Right. And then some of the feathers are very expensive and rare because they're from rare birds. Gotcha. Um, and some of the birds are endangered. So you oh. can only get the feathers if you find one that's fallen out of a bird. Right. Yeah. Um, or if you find like an already dead bird or something, you know, um, anyway, so there's like a whole thing of, there's like a a bunch of poaching that happens to get the lure feathers for fly fishing for certain birds. Interesting. Anyway, somebody broke into the museum of London to steal birds. Like they had these (laughs) like birds in storage like dead birds that were um that were like there to be studied cuz they were like these endangered species or some were extinct species um and someone stole like thousands of birds from this museum and there's like a whole thing where like these feathers keep popping up on the black market from this heist and like in like sort of like upper crust fly fishing circles like occasionally you'll come across like someone who has like too many of this very rare feather and you're like i know where that came from that came from the london heist Mm -hmm. so anyway there was a podcast where they tracked they tracked it down that's funny they found they found the guy it was very interesting and he's a like elite fly fisherman uh, like, yeah, well, he wasn't even, he was a good fly fisherman, but he was more of a lure tire. Oh, huh. He was like a lure tying prodigy. When he was a kid, everyone was like, this guy ties lure better than any guy I've ever seen. <laughs> it's such an interesting, such an interesting That is podcast. interesting. I'll find it and we can put it in the show notes. Fly people, as I'm encountering them, there's, it's really similar to ski people. Like, you know how skiers, like there's... Like it's kind of a um, an elitist type sport or, sure. you know, for upper middle class type thing. Right. But then there's like ski bums, you know? Correct. So there's like the, like, it's like skateboarding, but skateboarding doesn't have the upper crust portion. It's all right. skater no, I, bums. I know exactly what you mean. By you know what I mean? Bums. And, f- and yeah. I did not expect that with fly fishing, but it's the same thing. Like this guy, this dude I was hanging out with yesterday, he's a fly bum. He guides like for his money. And he's broke, mm-hmm. broke as hell. He's got like dreadlocks and baggy waders, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he just fly yeah. fishes as much as he humanly possibly can, and is broke and poor and whatever, and smells and sm- rolls his own cigarettes, stuff like that. Like, seems chill though. Yeah, totally. It's great because you have that. I don't know. It's it's interesting. My buddy, uh, my buddy Ian was like a raft guide for a long time, and oh, yeah? it's, I think it's kind of a similar scene. You're yeah. like a, just a just a guy, a bum near the edge of a river. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That I imagine more lacking in the upper crust part, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. For sure. Like these, there's like this fly fisherman in the area who's a painter, a distinguished professor, and a fly guide. And then there's LV, this dude I met yesterday, who's just like, 
<laughs> not there. It's awesome. But yeah. he's just as good of a fly fisherman. He he's yeah. probably more into it, you know. Well, it's the great equalizer, you know. Fly fishing? Once you're in the river, you're in the river. That's right. So many good river metaphors. Oh man. Oh, so this is it. Like I don't even want to start the podcast. I just want to yeah. talk about fly. You just want to talk I'm about I'm in that fishing. place. It's that place do where Do you want to make this Do you want to just stop being a programming podcast and become a fly fishing podcast no plans to submerge keep the name confuse people no Ooh, plans submerge. to emerge like in fly fishing there's a merger patterns it's a whole other like thing didn't even no know. plans to emerge that's good is that is that like uh the repository pattern yeah right there's patterns in fly fishing we could talk all about those i don't know anything about mm-hmm. those Mm-mm. okay t cole Seaports. Should we talk about programming? If you like absolutely insist, we can talk about it. I want to talk about writing less JavaScript. You? Yeah. You want to talk about writing less JavaScript? I know. I know. It's shocking. Shocking. Convince me. So I'm giving a talk next Mm -hmm. week or two weeks from now. Full stack EU. If you live near mm-hmm. that that area, if you plan on going, also I have f- free tickets. Where is it? The Netherlands? No, Belgium, Antwerp. Belgium, Antwerp. Yeah. Have you ever been to Europe? Never. No. I've only Move been to Canada and Jamaica. So that's gonna be cool. Yeah, I'm on. Excited. Um, also, somebody reached out to me and wants to interview me in Paris. And they work for Prismic. It's a CMS. And they're starting a YouTube channel. And they have like a studio. And they interview open source developers. Huh. And it seems pretty legit actually. And they offered to pay for my travel from Belgium. That's great. I know. Just out of the blue. And who doesn't want to see Paris while you're there? I know. So that's definitely is happening. He, is Hannah coming with you? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. We already have awesome. like multiple Paris Disney days booked and stuff like oh, that. Oh, of course. What am I thinking? I know. Yeah, I'm such a fool. Why did I even ask these questions? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Caleb, you, you need to you need to tell me ahead of time when I'm being foolish. Okay, I will. I should have <laughs> told you ahead of time. So, I'm giving this talk. Yes, and it's, it's about writing. Less, JS, right. right, and I already gave this talk earlier in the year, but I've changed mm-hmm. a lot. You have. Um, all the principles one of the, haven't. One really of the things changed. that you've done between then and now is write a lot of JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my opinions pretty much haven't changed at all actually but i am giving the talk and i want to breathe fresh air into it so i don't just want to give mm-hmm. the same talk you know so i'm sure. working on like really getting to the bottom of what i believe and some practical techniques and tactics and stuff so i want to talk to you mm-hmm. and get your opinion on these things and just mm-hmm. like dialogue and flesh out things okay so this is an interesting thing, Caleb. So you and I um, have for the past, going on three years, I guess, probably, just been talking to each other about this, JavaScript, whether it's good, whether it's bad, <laughs> uh, Ajax, whether that's like the good or bad type of JavaScript. And yeah. Like, SPAs versus like components in pages versus you know blah blah blah, blah. and I have evolved. You have definitely evolved steadily over that time. I've also evolved steadily over that time. Yeah. Um. And I kind of think 
that we think the same things basically except that i have more fun writing spas yeah but like i i'm sort of at the point now where i don't think that i want to do them most of the time Hmm. but since i am a person who gets assigned work when i am in spa land i'm grateful because it's like it's like if someone called upon me to do a shove it you know it'd be like oh this is something that i spent many a many a many an hour practicing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and here i am called upon to do a shove it like happy happy to oblige you know yeah and like it's it's you get a little euphoric recall you get back in there you start doing some stuff yeah that's interesting i mean that sounds kind of like well not that last part but that's sort of the Jonathan Renning, because it's like where Jonathan Renning and I part. Um, is like we're together in every way until this last point where he's like, yeah, but I still really want to use Vue. And I'm like, yeah, but I mm. really don't, you know. Mm. And I mm. and I think, but I think I agree with you. Like, I actually do like writing Vue. It's, it's more fun than most other things. It's fun. Super fun. Yeah, it is. But and I think it's I think it, you, we were talking I think we actually said this after the podcast so I don't think it got put in but it's been sitting with me. We were talking about um or no maybe it was on the podcast when we were talking about like putting routes in your tests last episode. Yeah, yeah. And you were like that's the kind of thing where like once you get there and you get that type of freedom to like put a route in your test. Yeah. That's where you start painting. Yeah, yeah. You said those words, and those words have been in my brain. Nice. Um, But I feel like I can paint better in React than I can in anything else. Yeah. I mean, there. I agree. There's more. There's more things to do with in React. Like, like there's more. As opposed to, I'm saying as not as opposed to view, but as opposed to just HTML and CSS and stuff. Because you have this machine that is React with these paradigms that you can play with, which is great. And you can you can still paint in Blade, actually, but it's way more limited. Blade's not yeah. an entire framework. Um, yeah, no, I yeah, agree. I'm not saying you can't paint other places. I just, I feel like when I'm in a React component, like, I'm, I just, like... I'm way more creative for some reason. Yeah, I agree. You know? Yeah, for sure. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my knee jerk reaction is just, it's because there's a machine that you can, you know, it's all these tools that you can use to achieve things, especially with react super creative. Um, yeah. Where it's just not as much, but like, like I've been pushing the envelopes of blade a little bit, but blades just not as flexible because just because it's a parser, you know right like it's it's not a machine per se there's some things that are machine ish but it's still a parser if blade could be more of a machine i would really really like that but yeah we're like it like if uh blade includes weren't just includes but if they had a little bit of smarts about them <laughs> i think that messing could be really with me? cool no, I'm not. Because <laughs> that's like my live wire pitch. Like it's like blade and right, right, I but know. with extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, like, regardless of like the whole like server and client updating yeah, yeah. side of it. No, I agree. Like, yeah. 
just if there was like if blade includes could have like a state if they could uh i'll say blade components if i could Mm -hmm. if there were um scoped slots for blade components i think the world would be a better place there's yeah like one of my big use cases is uh like a modal blade component yeah um for a modal blade component i basically i want two slots i want the trigger mm-hmm. and the dialogue the meat that goes mm-hmm. inside of the modal and the trigger i want to just be rendered you know like if i put a button tag inside of the trigger when the static HTML comes out, I want it to just be a button tag. I don't want a wrapper or anything. I just want mm-hmm. the button tag that I wrote in the slot. But to do that, I have to somehow tell JavaScript or HTML or whatever that that button triggers that modal. So I need some association. And it would be great if the component defined like an ID or something and then passed that through as a parameter to that slot so that I could echo it out as an ID or as whatever, something. But I can't. I have to do something mm-hmm. like pass a name to the modal component and then manually add that to to the part of the slot for the trigger. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think you could write it as a method that would generate that. Interesting. Write what as a method? So you could just make a class that is called modal.php okay. or whatever uh, that accepts like a an optional parameter which is a button yeah right and then like another optional parameter that's like the contents of the modal yep right um or let's say the contents of the modal and then that's not optional and then an optional parameter that is a button right and then those would just be html or whatever yeah uh and then you could take those take that html and you know parse it figure out where the end of the tag is stick your id in. that's the problem right there right it is the, the I, that's the problem but like there are html I mean, parsing I, libraries i could do that like right that. now with blade components you could just yeah do that because you you know the trigger would the slot trigger would come to the blade component in a money sign slot you know variable mm-hmm. so yeah but and I could just do the parsing there and pop it in i thought about that but that's not clean I, to me i've never really thought about doing making classes that returned blade could you do that and then for sure and then just include those in your blade yeah totally why are we doing that why 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 are we doing well the problem is you're like you're then you're getting into parsing and all that stuff no no no, no, no. but don't worry about all that okay like when say i've got like a big multivariant conditional in my blade yeah right that's like like okay this, let's say like the form the classic like form status message box yeah where like it's red if it's an error it's green if it's a success message it could be gray for some sort of yeah you know yep. other reason it could have a link it would have various content yeah um and it needs to like open and close if there's a status message right yeah um so that whole big like multivariant conditional that's going to have like a couple of ifs nested and all this other stuff in your blade it'd be great to just have a php class called form message that you could pass 
the request into that would return the right blade. Sure. So, right. I, so this is, you could do this in a blade include really easily. I know, but I don't like that. Cause like, okay, say we needed to do like more logic, right? Or say down the road, we wanted to like, I just like the idea that like it's a class and we're like back to object orienting, you know? Yeah. Cause then down the road, like I could import a different former, I could import a different component for those messages that did something totally different. Yeah. I I think I'd have a, just a general, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to warm up to the concept of having a class deal with templating, having a PHP class deal with templating. <laughs> Aren't you the guy who makes a whole library about that? <laughs> no, actually. Well, I guess the templating is the templating still is balls. isolated. Yeah. So it still feels pure. Even if it was like, yeah, that, that just doesn't sit well with me. I'd rather have, I'd rather stay in templating land and have a class just be in charge of the controls, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I wish Blade was kind of like JSX, I guess is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. We need JSX. In that it was just like, it was logical, logical markup that you could just pass around that was just you know yep portable yeah i agree i definitely wish that it was smarter and better in a lot of ways we should do the next podcast we do we should call making blade awesome or the future of blade or something like that because there's Mm. i think the big like sharpening blade (laughs) oh i think the thing that um like you know how taylor says like the framework kind of settled you know Mm -hmm. Like the dust is settled now, it's just kind of honing on these basic things, and there's he doesn't anticipate honing, any sharpening. big improvements or big changes. Yeah, I think the big one is Blade. Like Blade is restricting, and it very much feels like like your hands are tied compared to a JavaScript framework. So I don't know. I, I think that's one area that like could actually be overhauled and revolutionize the game, and that would mm-hmm. be a really unique offering as a static templating engine like a php static templating engine that is smart and ha- and can do really fun things at runtime yeah. you know yeah yeah yep lots of potential there but uh we should talk about that in another episode because that could be an entire episode it's true yeah i i think the whole the whole stack in front of um the controller could be interesting you know what uh just the whole like sort of front end stack for laravel so like view composers and blade and all of that like i think that there's i think there's just a lot there like i think that you could get i think that you could build a bunch of very useful affordances for people that are not there now but yeah we, we should talk about this on a whole other episode because i want to i want to like dig deep on this yeah. but Same. i think i think there's a bunch of potential yeah there not just in blade okay um but yeah the you know we've we've talked about the uh the composition layer or whatever right, in right. The best. or the presentation layer is that what we call it? composition no that's what he calls it but we called it the composition layer yeah um 
Anyway, another time. Another time. So back to JavaScript. So basically, the the contents of my talk is like mm-hmm. first I'm I'm going I have to pitch the idea why you would mm-hmm. want to do something like this. Like what is it that I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm saying is it's titled Write Less JS, but I think what I mean is just don't use Viewer React that often. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like don't use Viewer React in an app. Don't default to Viewer React. I think that's really my big statement. Would you agree? Sure. Uh, well, the you said it three times, and each time you said it with a different amount of intensity. So I would say I agree with at least one of them. <laughs> right? I guess I would say, like, don't reach for Viewer React, like, by default. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it should be an... Maybe the big statement is, I think most web apps don't need Viewer React. Right. I disagree. But... Why do you disagree? Well, I don't know that I disagree now that Livewire exists. Well, pretend it doesn't. Then I disagree. Why? (laughs) Because there's so many things that... Like, page reloading sucks. Why? Uh, You can use TurboLinks. TurboLinks sucks. No, it doesn't. No one likes using TurboLinks. Yes, they do. No, I just nobody wants to do that. I do. It's like I know, but it's it just blows. No. It's like a whole thing, dude. It's so weird. It's so antithetical to how I think about programming. The biggest problem, the biggest problem with the rightless JS movement is it doesn't have the ideal the idealistic purity that Viewer React does. What do you mean? Like I think what what is behind your statements of it sucks, it's whatever. It's because it's not a holistic, pure, ideal world. It's it's close to the metal. That's I think that's the issue. Is it's never gonna feel as pure as Reactor View because they're abstracted from the metal. You're you're you've moved away from the metal, so now things can be ideal. What do you can you can you get close to the metal with your explanation of what you're talking about? <laughs> I mean that with TurboLinks, you're using a tool that that is it's a it's like a an add-in to your app. You're adding something in that's taking care of something, and you have to actually know like where you include it in your layout file, and you have to be aware of like tags and locations and stuff like that. Right. Like it's not it's not just view router that takes everything over and is ideal, you know? You have a screw view router, right? Let's just assume that we're talking about like server-side routed okay. full-page component type of apps, yeah, mm-hmm. right? Or even not even full-page component, but server-side routed like most pages have a view component on them, apps, right? Yeah. Like maybe the actual layouts are in Blade, but almost every page has at least one view component on it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um so those types of apps, like say it's like, you know, just your classic your classic like forms and tables and sorting and auto completing big text fields. Yeah. And all of these things that we just do all the time. Why do we you do know? that though? Because if you have a list of 80 things that someone's supposed to select from, no one likes a select box that big. And so it's better to type than to scroll. What about 50 things? It's still better to type than to scroll. 
So this is, when you I, I think I generally agree with you, but I just was thinking the other day about state drop down. About the state selectors? I was about to bring that example <laughs> up. And you said 50 things. I was like, ooh, great, because I'm right and he's wrong. This is good. I don't mind at all. When it's just a state drop down because I know I can type and the browser is going to put me on the letter. Yeah. You know what sucks though is that every website has a different format for their state drop downs. Some of them are like, oh, let's, we're going to give them a, we're going to do them a favor and we're going to do NC dash North Carolina so that when they type NC, it'll go to North Carolina. Right. Yeah. But then other ones, you, because when you type, it's by value, right? Not by not by the label. So there's crazy, or maybe it's not. But I've had I've had, or there might be a third attribute that you can set. Interesting. Yeah, like I don't what, actually what know type. offhand. Because I've been in select boxes where, like, I type the thing that it should be, and it takes me to the wrong state. Yeah, like, I mean, I never get to New York because there's all there's other news. So it's yeah. But if you typed new space Y, you would get I to don't New York, think so. right? Oh, because space selects. Maybe I maybe I am typing new Y. I'm not sure. But yeah. it, it is kind of a blurry thing, but I still would prefer a native state drop down to a Okay, but that's that's totally different because you it's a exact string that you have memorized. Sure. New York. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. But say it's like uh say, you know, you're signing up for insurance or something, okay. you need to look up you need to look up like which of these health conditions you have. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Right. Yep. And it's like, oh, well, okay. I have uh, like type two diabetes, but I don't know whether to type diabetes or type two diabetes or, you know, insulin dependent diabetes, you know, whatever people call different things, different things in different places, you know? Yeah. I mean, in general, if you don't know the exact string that you're supposed to be selecting from the list, it's hard to scan a list and be and then have like a regex in your head that's like, does this string match this idea in a list of 50 items? So I agree with you in general. Yeah. One thing that mm-hmm. it's all trade-offs. There's no ideal solution for that problem because in that, no, in there that is. Exa- no, there's not. In that example, you mm-hmm. you uh diabetes, you type in diabetes, you don't know sure. that it's gonna be called diabetes, like you said. You don't know what it's gonna be right. called. You type right. it in and you get a result. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say you get a result. That that's mm-hmm. an optimistic scenario. You get a result, mm-hmm. and now you don't know what the other results are because your scope is isolated. Where if you had one giant list, it would suck. But if you scrolled through it, you would know the options. It's the same thing like when you choose a category for 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 a podcast or for Google Analytics. When you choose your website category, you want to see all of them because there's no. I, there's no perfect option. You have to evaluate the other options in the select field to know what the best option is, you know? Sure. Right? Like, that's another another um, factor. Yeah, but I mean, like, that... Yes, and... Like, there's so many places where you could take that logic and build yourself a terrible thing. You know well, what I'm saying? Well, I'm saying that it's that it just makes it not the best option, not the obvious hands down. No, I think it is definitely the hands down best option. No, because I don't think that that concern is that big of a deal. Oh, I do. I I mean, I I get what you're saying. It is, it is a, it is a pretty good straw man, but it is only a straw. Not at all. When you choose an emoji, 
you uh-huh. if you search by name, you know, like they're never fuzzy searched. Or if they're fuzzy searched, they're not like, you know, if there's a, uh, I don't know, like a mountain. You type hiking, you're not going to get the mountain. You have to type M-O. Right, but, but, but here's but what you're I'm saying. Not, you, but you're off topic. You're off topic. No, I'm not. Because, no, 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 the topic is, or the, the point is, that there are a lot of places where searching is better than scrolling. Yeah, yeah, that is the point. And you're right. Yeah. Definitely. And so, there are some places, like, because there are counterexamples, right, because there are counterexamples where browse is better than search. Yeah doesn't mean that live search is not something that's really good and should be on most websites yeah i'm not i think it's used more than it needs to be okay i agree to with myself yeah (laughs) (laughs) so well here's the thing you're right Uh no doubt javascript is really good for custom form input elements yes i think one i think we reach for custom form input elements too soon sure i think that's granted a, that's a big one um and two uh-huh. what we end up doing is handling our whole form submission with javascript okay well forget about form submissions right okay let's just talk about components right and for those components um, i would say prefer a out-of-the-box prepackaged solution like select two uh-huh or for your modals like micromodal or something like that for your for a date picker use a a dedicated library date picker sure or ideally um, use polymer or something that has like a very specific set of common input elements that's all styled with material design and their um their web components so they you know that you can just drop them in to your page and they don't interact with the entire dom Okay, that, that's not the position I would have expected you to take here. Uh, because why does it matter who writes the JS if it's me or someone else, right? I thought the point was that my app doesn't need JS. No, that's right. No, no. I think that your app needs less JS than you think it does. But right. your app well, does once, need once we've JS. Crossed, once we've crossed the barrier into like... Well, you said your your big your big grandstanding point was most apps don't need Vue or React. Uh, yes, and I stand by that. Yeah. Okay, but so you want me to start pulling in like like random date picker things that are going to like initialize on like on like a random ID or something? Yeah. Yep. I wish okay. I wish there was a way, and there is actually. <laughs> But I wish that Vue and React, there was something that was the equivalent of Vue or React, but mm-hmm. like the old days, where you could just use it for one small part of the DOM. Right. You can you do can. that with Vue. Yeah. I should I should raise that in popularity. Or React, no. Yeah. Not like Vue. Remember the we, Vue you could just use a CDN and just like... Yeah, no, you can't do a CDN, but that's... That's what I'm saying. I mean, whatever. either way. Vue is better uh-huh. at that. Either one you could uh-huh. do it with. But yeah, where like I want I, guess you could, I want to be able to write a, a component, a view component called uh-huh. um Caleb's date picker extravaganza hyphens yeah. hyphenated. Yeah. And I want somebody to be able to pull in a user script tag with a CDN and it gives them the custom element Caleb's script. Yeah, but with there. React you don't even need Forget about view or React. That's just what I want. Okay. It's something that I can use Vue in. 
right. and you can import it, but not have to like control a whole segment of your DOM. Like you can just have it in the areas you want it. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean control a whole segment of your DOM? Because if we could do this right now, mm-hmm. but you would have to sp- you would have to have a view instance set up, and so that for that component to live inside it. What if that component was the view instance? I don't know if that works. Yeah, it does. Does it? Yeah. I mean, I don't you just set your view instance on a CSS selector? Yeah, yeah. So just that's what you do, right? Is like you have that component set its own view instance on its own CSS selector. So that'd be really interesting. Because that's I, what you do in React, right? You just do like you grab a selector. Yeah. And then you like you boot React on that selector. Right, but I'm And you can boot as many instances of React on a page as you want to. I right, I know that. But if you want if I want one component called Caleb's mm-hmm. date picker. Right. I want the component to live and die there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to, so it's a custom element, you know? Sure. Whatever. So view has, it can be, it could, it could be a div with a class. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe it works and I, I just have to write some, maybe it works and I just have to write some like wrapper thing to make the API smooth that you can just say, you know. Well, you have to have a snippet of a script tag to initialize it. Well, I mean, right, and you I could I could create something that handles that for you. Right, right, right. But yeah. But I mean, it's interesting yeah, if that's... you're saying that I wouldn't need a wrapper for a custom input element. You don't need to make your app into a view instance, no. Yeah, you like, know you what I'm saying? Though, like like a, that, that's not how like it's a... meant to be used. Like Polymer is meant to be used that way. Like you could just I don't think it I don't think that's not how it's meant to be used. Totally. Unless I'm thinking of the wrong name. <laughs> Custom web element polymer. No, 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 I'm not saying polymer is I'm not saying anything about polymer. I'm okay. saying your claim is that Vue and React aren't supposed to be used this way, and I'm saying why not? I've used them this way. Like Have you? You yeah, you've never just pulled in one component to your app? Like Nova Packages was an all PHP app at first, and then it has like one star rating component that we just pulled in randomly. So, okay, you pulled in a star rating component. We built a star rating component. You built yeah. a star rating component. Was the entire body a view component or a view instance or the entire like div ID equals app? Oh, uh, well, now it is because there's more components. But at the time it wasn't? I don't think so. I think it was. I don't see why I would have done that. I don't know why I wouldn't have just picked the most narrow selector I could. Right. I I don't think people do that. But I do. Good for you. <laughs> I'm just saying people should. Good. Why wouldn't you? Like, that's that's the craziest thing ever, right? Like, anytime I'm doing anything, you pick the most narrow possible selector for things. R- why would you just do everything on body or whatever? You know, like if I'm like setting an event listener, I don't set an event listener on document all the time when there's like a more narrow selector I could set the listener on. Because that's just waiting. It's like CSS specificity stuff. You know, it's like just pick the most narrow selector that's related and then you're going to have less problems down the road when you're like, whoopsie doopsie, I did too much because I, you know, I painted my whole house red when I only wanted to paint my bathroom red. Sort of. 
I mean, th- those are two bad examples because CSS <laughs> has the problem of being too specific and then setting yourself up for maintenance woes down the road because you were too specific. And the event delegation thing, I often listen to events on document because it's uh, like the most flexible place to handle event listening rather than mm-hmm. listening closer in the DOM. Mm-hmm. I think there are lots of... Pl- like lots no, of times I agree you with want you, things encapsulated. No, I right, and I agree with you. I think I, based on what you're saying, you're right. I think most people do not do that. I think they do div id equals app, and then they do new view, pass in an object with l colon space quote hashtag app. That's the I predominant like that. way of doing it. That's the way people do I like it. Like that. I mean, well, you do that when you know that you're building a an app that's going to have a ton of components, right? And you only want to right. have one no. React instance. And I'm saying that's not that's not the case for most people. For me, and I I think I am most people in this sense. But if you're saying that you do that, I grant you this. You're right. If the, if what you're saying is true, that you would naturally scope the view instance close to the component. I'm pretty sure the Nova packages source is open source, so. People go see if I did that. I think I did it. Okay. So let's say anyway. that you did that. Uh-huh. Because um, now I'm like, what if I didn't do it? And now I look like a fool. Um, I, I would be surprised if you did it, but I believe you. So let's yeah. say you did it. Mm-hmm. And you do that. Right. One, that's not the officially encouraged way to do things. Like if people are getting into this game, they're not encountering that as a common way to do it. But you're saying that just sure. your common sense would lead you there. So let's say that it does. Still, you are left with needing a wrapper. Sure, yes. Wait a minute. What you're suggesting, you're talking about something you wrote. A view thing you wrote. Yeah. In that case, you're right. I'm talking about importing third-party components. Because you're right. Okay, but I, I used to do that, where I would just have a view instance at one part of the DOM that managed that in a specific way. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I'm talking about you want third-party components. Right. Like view select. You want to just pull in view select mm-hmm. to a project. Mm-hmm. How would you do that? What you're saying um, is you I, would I mean, Are you asking me to tell you what the actual API of view select is, or are you asking me to design view select in the way that I want it to be designed? No, I'm saying... I'm basically saying that if you were to pull in view select right. from a CDN or whatever, uh-huh. okay, how would you, it needs a view context. So what would you do? Would you just wrap it in a div, specify the view instance to be that div, and then it would just be alive and well? Um, I don't know. Here's what I think I what, can say with some authority. But, Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I feel like we're setting a moving target here, though. Right, well, okay, here's what I'm, my aim is. <laughs> uh-huh. I think people don't do that. I think, I think that if you don't have a view app, then you shouldn't be pulling in view select. Right, I want you to be able to. No, you don't. You want you do not have to. Yeah, I guess, but, but ultimately, I still like view for bespoke custom components. Mm-hmm. You know? Here's the deal. I I think you're right. And I because Polymer mm-hmm. exists and I can just 
like import a polymer date picker or something and not have to have a polymer environment for that to live in. Sure. It can just live on its own as a custom element. That's great. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But I use Vue. I love writing things in Vue. It's really flexible for me. No, but you're the only the only time you have the problem you're talking about. Yeah. Which is like, how do I import view select if I'm not using view? Yeah. Is when you're not writing any view. So the fact that you like writing view has no bearing on you pulling in a third party plugin that you won't customize, that you won't write any code around. You're just going to import it and run it on the page. Right? Yeah. Now, if you're saying, I like writing view, what that implies is I have a view app that I'm writing in, or at least this, I'm pulling this view select into another component where I'm writing at least some amount of view code because right. I like writing view. Right. So in that case, then you should use view select because you're already writing view. So pull in view select, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've already done the scoping and deciding what div you're going to pull it into and all that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely conflating a few things here. Um, so I'll back off. <laughs> okay. I'll back off. <laughs> okay. Back off back to the, the basic statement, the broad statement that I made that most apps don't need viewer react. Yes. Which by the way, before we dig into this question, cause I love this question, yes. we should say thanks to our sponsor. Honey badger, honey badger. Thank you, honey badger for sponsoring no plans to merge. We don't know where we'd be without you, dear Honey Badger. We're very thankful. Honey Badger is an exception manager, tracker, notifier, all of the things that happen or that happen when things go wrong inside of your app. If things go wrong inside your app, if you're one of the millions of people inflicted by bugs, then you need an error tracker. You need something that's going to tell you what went wrong, where it went wrong, who it went wrong to, when it went wrong, to point you in the direction of how to fix it and have an app that pleases your users instead of makes them crazy and angry. Um, it's true. It's totally true. So if you don't, step one, if you don't have this in your app, if you think I'll do that down the road, whatever, download it, install it, use it. You need it. You definitely need it. It takes two seconds to install. It's reasonably priced. It's well-written. It's small in scope. It's like exactly what you need. Um, if you do use an error tracker, Honey Badger has some specific special offerings, such as insane, awesome customer support. And it can ping your, uh, like it has heartbeats or check-ins so that it can ping your cron jobs, make sure your crons are alive so you're not laying awake at night wondering if that scheduler is running. And it also does uptime checking to make sure that your website is freaking alive and not dead. So you can also sleep well at night. Honey Badger These grants amazing you sleep. Things. That's what it does. You're paying yeah. for sleep. Oh, I would love to pay for some sleep. Oh, Honey Badger. Thank you, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. They are a friend of Laravel and MVC Patterns, and they like Turbolinks, despite what Daniel says. They think Turbolinks is great. So thank you, Honey Badger. Keep my mouth shut during the sponsor <laughs> read about Turbolinks. <laughs> Thanks, Honey Badger. We love you. Love you, Honey Badger. Back to the show. Back to the show. All right, dude. Here's the deal. Okay. Here's what your claim should be. Okay. Here's the official Caleb Porzio claim to make. Most apps, okay. most apps do not need yeah. div ID equals app to be a view instance. <laughs> but based on what you were saying, which uh-huh. is what I, which, what I, yeah, okay, okay, I think I can get with you here. Like mm. in like whatever the master 
like top level container div is in your layouts dot layout dot blade or whatever that doesn't need to be yeah yeah you're right turned into a view or react app you're right most apps do not need to be hold on most apps do not need to be spas that's what i'm saying yeah but or even spa ish like spa adjacent even server routed yes. spas Yes. Because there are going to be plenty of views where you'll have a view instance that has no components in it. Yeah. Because you're just, you know, you don't need view components on that page. Yep. It's true. It's true. It's true. So I think that is my stance. You're right. That it's not that... Because view is actually powerful. And for certain things, I would try yeah, to resist what are you gonna it. you going to pull in jQuery? No, I don't. I mean, you don't really need jQuery anymore. I know. Just use JavaScript. So don't. It's well, but like if React. if I were building an app, my last resort would be creating a bespoke view component. It's in the list of resorts. That's my last resort. <laughs> right after uh, holiday. Right Valley. after. Oh, thank you, Breckenridge. <laughs> I was like, I can't think of any resorts. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think, um, you know, we differ by degrees, Caleb. That's, that's what it is about us. You know, I don't think we're at really at the point anymore where we fundamentally disagree on things. Um, but we do differ by degrees. Yeah. And I don't know that I agree with your stance, but (laughs) I agree with the sentiment. You know, I can get behind what you're going for. Let's talk about forms. How did you write a like form in 2000? Platonic forms? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. How would you write a form in 2014 in a web app? <sighs> 2015. Whatever. I, I would make a form. You'd make a form. Full of, full of inputs. Some of them hidden. What What are the inputs like? What, do you mean? what kind of inputs are we talking? We're talking text boxes, mostly text boxes, mostly text boxes, and and well, and then like weird check boxes with pseudo elements after them that are actually toggles and weird stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. Um, but not not uh, I didn't have components in my forms is what I'm is what you're getting after. Yeah, and uh-huh. and when you hit the submit button, what happened? Uh, usually, it submitted the form. Sometimes it used jQuery post. Really? Mm-hmm. When did it use that? Uh, there were times when I, if there was like some reason to do it. Some clients didn't like page reloads. Really? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we wanted In to do In the jQuery like days, some you validation. avoided page reloads. Okay, validation. Hmm. Yeah. There were some pages we had that were just like very swipey, slidey, animatey marketing pages and you hadn't seen a page reload in a while and why make this be the one page reload on this site interesting would you concede that that is like a little bit of an edge case for that paired that development paradigm i mean i I definitely use jquery ajax i was but like 2014 2015 like or i get nah i guess 2013 2014 
Like I was mostly working marketing sites. Yeah, that is a difference. You know what I'm saying? So like it was mostly about making sure everything looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So like Ajax looks cooler than a page refresh right. always. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in web apps, at this time, I'm working with Bootstrap 2 or 3. Sure. And I have jQuery, but my form sure. tags are form tags. My input elements are div class form groups. My inputs have mm-hmm. class form control, input control, mm-hmm. form control, all that stuff. And I'm doing... Is that Bootstrap stuff? Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I didn't really use Bootstrap. Wow. that That's a big difference. I think you... you uh, I think... I came from CSS world. Yeah. I think... I wrote CSS well before Bootstrap existed. The difference has to be that you were working in an agency context for yeah. mar- on like marketing And the marketing. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. Where I was mostly working product companies and web mm-hmm. web apps. Yeah. Yep. And I think the name of the game at that time for web apps like that, like Codeigniter apps, stuff like that, was Bootstrap. Angular. No. That seemed to be... I feel like 2013, 2014 was Angular days. That was like right as Angular 2 was coming out, right? Oh, that seems older. It, that seem, it seems newer than that, but you you could be right. You're probably right. Yeah. No, I mean, you're probably right. But for me, I'm trying to think. When did I start writing Vue? I think I started writing Vue like four or five years ago, maybe? Okay. Which I guess would be around that time. 2015. Before yeah. I started writing Vue, I was using Bootstrap and jQuery and I feel like everybody else was doing the same thing in my sort of shoot in my position which there was a lot of that going on yeah and that's I think most people would identify with that as being the way to write web apps at the time sure simple form you know submissions fast forward to getting into view now every form submission I would write at that point in my career was an Axios request and all the all the input elements were data bound mm-hmm. you would agree that that's like the way to do it yeah if there's something about that form that needs that even in general i think every form was that way i think when people are right when people have forms inside of view components they submit them with axios why is this form inside of view component the other one wasn't, right? I'm saying in SPAs or SPA adjacent apps, we'll say SPA adjacent gotcha, apps, gotcha. Uh-huh. which I think is the predominant, I think that, I think my developer journey is the most common. Like I think, I think like my stage at this point in, now my stage is a little different, but I think at this point in that stage, most people had sort of landed here because we're all watching Laracasts. I think that's probably the biggest reason. Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess that's the difference, right? I started watching Laracast much later than you did. Gotcha. So I had a whole. My first Laravel app, I wasn't really watching Laracast. Okay. I don't know if that's why. There's this difference. Do you were you plugged in at the time? So like early Laracast I, for me was, it was before React or Vue, those React or Vue series. Period. And it was like the code katas and some object oriented stuff and, you know, a lot of like Laravel stuff. But then he came out with a React, a React course, I forget what it was called. 
and I didn't even watch it. And I imagine most people felt the same way. It seemed like... I remember when that came out, I think. Okay. So then, then we were probably along the same journey. That like okay. that came out. Then a while later, the view course came out. And I think me and everybody else like lint, like sort of latched on to the view course because it was so much easier. And mm-hmm. he like repped it as like the answer. And basically from then on, it's been a Vue.js journey. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think I was always a little bit. Um, this is a weird thing. So I specifically remember learning Ember.js from Jeffrey Way on web oh, toots wow. you know back when he worked at envato net toots yeah that's i didn't what even called. know he existed at that point so i learned the basics of Ember. <laughs> toots. toots. yeah what it's tutorial toots. it's tutorial toot toot that's hilarious um so anyway i remember listening to jeffrey way explain ember js to me okay and there I am sitting there and Jeffrey Way is trying to explain another JavaScript framework to me. And I knew in my infinite wisdom that it was that Ember.js went nowhere. And that Ember.js was garbage. What? And that there's no, like, I just, I skated through without ever using Ember.js on a production app after learning it from Jeffrey Way. I was like, not going to get me again, Mr. Way. I'm not learning this thing. Hmm. And that was that was sort of my approach to that whole drama. I think. Okay. I was just like, all right. So he likes this thing, but like, whatever. He like used to like Ember, and Ember sucks. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't as um, shrewd as uh, discerning, maybe, or just like cynical. Cynical, yeah, cynical yeah. And bitter. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I was very much like all in on everything Jeffrey said. Yeah. No doubt. So he was on latched on to view and I was latched on and I understood it, it was everything he was saying. Like it was so much yeah, easier no. to understand and use and uh-huh. grasp and everything. So anyway, basically I came to the point where every form submission in my app was an Axios call. Mm-hmm. And some of the pitfalls with this is you're setting and dealing with loading state and displaying that every time in different mm-hmm. ways. And it's never like perfect. Mm-hmm. That's maybe point one. Point two you're not dealing with errors properly. Like maybe you're handling mm-hmm. validation errors, but like maybe you throw a whoops message when a 500 happens, but you're not, you know, it's not like consistent and responsible because I'm, because now it's up to me to handle these things where before Laravel handled showing error messages, just a whoops page. Yep. And the browser handled showing a loading spinner in the tab. Yep. Now I'm managing these two things. Also, I didn't wrap my, input elements in form tags always they would just be bound with the data object and then submitted over ajax because you don't actually need the form tag that would just be for like posterity's sake in my mind sure so i think would you agree that a good percentage let's say above 50 percent yeah i've seen it yeah so this is that's a pretty common thing right Uh uh-huh i don't know if it was above 50 or not but yeah it it was happening it was happening and i was i was a part of that like I didn't always wrap my. I think I, I think I've done tags. it once or twice. I think I did it yeah. pretty often. Because it didn't feel like it. You needed it. The only reason you need it is for accessibility purposes. You know. I think I was too lazy to do it that way. To do it what way? That much. Add form tags. No, not do forms. 
Oh, I, I'm, I guess I, the I whole, could see that, but the I, whole I, submitting forms over Ajax thing to me was only ever to save a page reload or sure, there was yeah. something special about this form, you know, but like it didn't like, I didn't just do it f- for funsies. I did it for idealistic reasons. Because I felt like that. Well, was I was always like, "Oh, well, I'll context. Re- yeah, but I think I was too lazy to do it right now. Like I was like, "Oh, well, MVP. Like I'll just use a form, and then later I'll eventually refactor it to you to submit it with JavaScript." But I never did because it was fine. Good for you. You know what I'm saying? I guess I do. I d- that wasn't my experience, and I if I had to guess, I would guess that most people didn't have that experience. But maybe I could okay. be wrong. But I think most people started writing all their form submissions in Axios calls. Okay. I, d- I at least aspired to it. Like that that's why like Taylor had that form thing in Spark. Like every form in Spark was an Ajax submission. Like sure. the evidence is just all around supporting this claim that everybody is using Ajax for all their forms. Okay. Then Jeffrey adopted it. I made a package. Uh-huh. He made a he did a thing. He did a post all about it, form objects in JavaScript. So the Laracast's sure. approved stamped way was Axios every form. Okay. So my points are loading spinner. Now you're dealing with that air handling. Now mm-hmm. you're dealing with that and accessibility falls by the wayside. Yes. Because you're doing your own thing and kind you're, of. it's so easy unless to pull you're using in custom form.submit. input elements unless you're using form.submit. Yeah. Unless you're using form.submit input elements, you're more, you're encouraged to use custom input elements because you can, you can write whatever you want. You can import whatever you want. You're in a view context. It's Ajax. Who cares? You could spice up any view element. So instead of doing a simple text box with a comma separated list, you're going to do view select, you know, mm-hmm. and view select isn't accessible. Maybe it is now, but like for most of its lifetime, it's not accessible. Like you can't tab to it. Okay. You know, so like that creates all these other problems is that people are hand rolling their own input elements. And when they're doing that, they're almost never making them accessible. And when they're downloading third party ones, it doesn't even mean they're necessarily accessible. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like this paradigm has created all these problems and only made our lives more complex. The only tangible benefit is potentially nicer user interfaces, like potentially sleeker, smoother, more futuristic feeling user interfaces. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, partially. So I think that's one of my biggest things with the right less js movement that's like one of my biggest story points as far as like the history for me is like forms went from being form submissions with html and css and simple elements that are just accessible by default have loading spinners are air handled properly to this crazy javascript business where i'm doing everything myself i think you and i so here i guess this is it multi-part forms that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, but also, and we should talk about that. A huge thing, later. meaning like that's a boon to native form submissions. Like uh, that well, JavaScript. I'm not, hard. dude. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not convinced that uh, people. I don't know. I'm not convinced that people weren't writing form tags. You have you have to give me that. Like we we have to, like, you have to pretend you're convinced. I think for this conversation. Why? though (laughs) because that is the foundation of a lot of what i'm saying right but what if that and all okay here's my bigger thing 
I think the big claim you're making, right? That like most apps don't need this and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, you go from that sort of big claim yeah. and then you only talk about forms. Well, no, there's other things. But I think forms, forms are, are most not, of apps. I, I don't know that that's true. Okay. Right? Like there are inputs. Inputs are most of apps. Yeah, that's what I mean. But not all inputs are in form. Sure, but they should be, right? I don't know that that's true. Right? Like, if you think about, like, the sidebar of Zappos. Yep. Okay, right? like filtering and stuff? Filtering and all that stuff. Okay. Those are all check boxes and radio buttons and drop downs and stuff. And you could have those all in a big form that has a submit button at the bottom. Where you have to select the set of filters that you're comfortable with and then apply them. Yep, Okay. Or you could do the thing that everyone else in the world does and live apply the filters. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But you know? that's, I mean, th- I think that's not as, like, that's e-commerce apps, which is a, a broad... No, it's not just e-commerce apps, though. Like, we uh, we built a content aggregator for one of our clients where it was, like, all these posts. And you needed to be able to filter the posts by what origin they came from and what category they were in and all this other stuff. Sure. It was just... There's tons of like lists that need to be filtered in the world, yeah, yep. not just in e-commerce. Yep. Agreed. Um, and I don't know that when you have a big set of filters that you want to be submitting a form. Can we say that, can we use GitHub as a stand-in for for most apps? No. Why not? Pro- provide me so. with a good stand-in. Why don't stand-in? you use Amazon? I don't think that's a good stand-in for most apps. That's an e-commerce Really? App. Yeah. What aren't most apps e-commerce apps? No. What do you mean? Most apps that I've worked on, consulted for, are more like are are not e-commerce apps. I have consulted for e-commerce apps, but most are not. Hmm. Like you're talking like shopping cart stuff. Not just shopping, yeah, like yeah, browsing products and filtering products by categories and all of that other stuff. Maybe the shopping cart is yours. Maybe it's speak someone else's. from your own experience at Titan. At, like, of all okay. the projects you've worked at at Titan, how many of them were e-commerce platforms like that? Uh, well, there was one that was about cars, but that wasn't an e-commerce platform. But it had all of those features of an e-commerce platform. But it it's also just had lots of like managed. It just didn't process payments. That's the only difference. Okay. But it was basically buying a car. So you there was some like the main interactions were like searching for cars, seeing a list of them in a grid or something, mm-hmm. reviews, comments, bidding on them. No reviews and comments, but filtering, filtering them, filtering by features and stuff like that adding them to wish lists okay. doing things like that okay all right um but yeah i don't i don't know and then there's many but i think like but no for real like at your time at Titan, i don't know that most of i don't think most of the apps i've worked on were forms i think is what i'm getting at so maybe not forms i think github is a great yeah. stand-in for the average app can we agree on that sure do you agree though uh no not really can but you give just me be, let i guess we'll try again give me the the perfect stand-in for an app i think amazon is a great example amazon is because e-commerce. it's commerce it's a good stand for e-commerce apps 
but but for real like but like no but i think okay the the difference is that amazon is a consumer app right and it's a consumer app that it i think most apps don't require you to ever type anything into an input until you're giving them money like look like reddit or something right like you use reddit all the, or facebook or twitter or uh or any of these things like most of these apps are about consuming content or filtering content or adding a content to a list or marking a content as a favorite or bookmarking or sharing all of these actions that don't require you to type into a form and a very small very tiny percentage of the app is actually typing into a form you know what i'm saying okay let's look at this from a different view let's look at this from the app slash http slash controllers directory of your average laravel app sure a lot of these controllers have store methods Uh yes Sure. Okay. Uh huh. So I, I think there is definitely more showing than storing. But I would say the majority of controllers have some element of storing, even updating. And generally, right, but I would, there's a I would loose argue, mapping that exists between forms and that. I would argue if you took and looked at the analytics the vast amount of the traffic goes to the show methods, not the store methods. I don't know. Maybe in consumer-facing stuff, maybe. But, like, there are categories. There's e-commerce, like Amazon. There's Uh social media, like Twitter, Facebook, stuff like that. There's lots of... Reddit, yeah, whatever. Right. There's lots of forms... Did I say dig? Wow. (laughs) There's lots of form submissions in those types of apps as well. Right, there are some yes. creating something, commenting on something, uh-huh. your profile settings, messages, etc. Advanced yeah. search, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, there's lots of like lots of the interaction is write as well as read. Sure. You got to concede this point for me because this is totally like a red herring <laughs> on the main point. Okay. Where were we? What? What was the point that I'm supposed to concede again? That Oh, that GitHub is the only well, app that we should ever consider. No, 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 no. <laughs> this all started because you, you said that, it, that, it, that it's mostly forms. You said that I'm, I'm treating it like most apps consist of forms. Yes. Right. And then you said, give me GitHub. Well, first I said that concede, I said, no, I have other GitHub examples as well. And then we started uh-huh, going down uh-huh. that road. So let's not go down this road. Mm-hmm. What are the other... UI elements. There's forms. What else is there? There's a million different UI right, elements. Right, but start There's... with like the most broad. Like forms is a broad category. What's another adjacent broad category if it's not all forms? Uh, what do you want? Like galleries? Okay. Um, video players? Okay. Uh, s- s- sliders? There's uh. There's page turning in reading apps. like Right. So what, what you... the things you're describing are things yes. that are like, they're popular in marketing type sites, like content they're consumption. They're popular in all kinds of sites. Dude, how many more forms have you written than video players or sliders or galleries? Right, but like that's an app you work on might have like one video player or one uh-huh. gallery. 
Yeah, but I but think that's like because 40, people who are writing those apps don't choose PHP because PHP is not a very good backend for media sites. PHP apps, the average PHP app that uses Laravel and Tailwind uh-huh. and Vue.js uh-huh. yeah, has but the, tables and uh-huh. forms. And Why is that though, Caleb? Why is that true of us and not of Node.js apps? I don't know that it's not true of Node.js apps. I think it's not true of Node.js apps. I can't apps. speak to that at all. But that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about apps. I'm talking about like like a Coinbase. Like I'm talking, Betterment. I'm talking like I'm a like person Mint. who's at Full Stack Europe. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep. I, I'm a guy who's at Full Stack Europe. I'm just a Full Stack developer. I'm not a Laravel developer. Fine. I'm just there hearing Mr. Caleb Porzio come tell me that all apps are forms and tables. No, no, and I'm no, like, no, oh, no, I work no, for no. National Geographic on the video player. So what What do you mean? Then you you belong <laughs> you know? at uh, niche front-end developer Europe. I just don't know that that's true, man. The full-stack developer who doesn't work at a big company and isn't siloed onto one part of the stack. The full-stack developer yes. deals with forms and form submissions, displaying tables, sorting them, uh-huh. showing data, providing interactions with users to... Listen, I've seen that app before. It's most apps. It's most apps I've worked on. It's every app I've worked on at Titan. Right, I know, but that's it's that's because the other apps where most developers work are, like, they're not hiring Titan. No. Every They've product company I've developers. worked at, I've been those that their own developers, and I've worked on those yeah. things. It's uh-huh. the same type of stuff. But the, every but that's app what I'm I've saying. consulted like, go for. to California, go talk to you know any of these cats in California who are just working on big, big product apps. Okay, you know, like that's where I think the majority of developers are working is big, big product apps. Where there's a thousand developers. And they're siloed you know? and they're not full stack. Right. Well, they are full stack. They're just also siloed. They're siloed to one part of the app. We can only speak from our experience. So all features. I care about is our experience, me and you. Right. The apps that okay. we've worked on. Okay. This average full stack developer that we know because we are. Uh-huh. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. I think I'm properly targeting that person. <laughs> okay. Can we agree on that? I don't know. I don't even know what you're... What am I, what am I agreeing to? That you're proper... What is properly targeting me? My, my experience is the average mm-hmm. full-stack developer experience. Yeah, I don't know if that's Up true. Up until all my weird Less.js stuff. I don't think most average full-stack developers work for companies that are not venture funded i did work for venture funded companies one okay um so then i guess what you're i guess the argument there would have to be that the venture funded company you work for is the average venture funded company i'm not worried about venture funding i'm i'm talking about the apps we all build this seems like writing on the wall stuff to me like uh, every like laracast the every app that the laracast episodes speak to every example app that you've seen in any laracon talk anything all of those Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. they're the apps i'm describing 
That's okay. been my experience. I relate to that experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> would you, uh, not to take you off your point, what did you mean writing on the wall stuff? I'm this s- is writing on the wall I'm stuff. I'm saying I feel like like either you're being extraordinarily contrarian <laughs> or uh-huh. or like there's something you're not seeing that I'm saying. Well, it's not that I'm not seeing it. The I just think it's really easy to assume that we have the average developer experience and I don't know that that's necessarily true. Okay. Then I guess what well, I don't want to just dis- I guess I I don't I'm set in that point maybe. Yeah. Like I believe that. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. Right. I I think I don't I've think had you've a very presented me with any compelling only... evidence to show me that that's not the case. Well, I could we could just look at like what percentage of apps on the internet are like PHP and Vue apps cuz that's what we've done. Okay. So, we have very little experience with the world to tell us that can we- our right until one of us has built like a production node app with a Mongo database or a production Rails app or a production Phoenix app, or a production Java Groovy app, or a Scala Play app, or one of any of these other like huge enterprise frameworks, or huge you know frameworks that are getting used by Facebook and Google and all this other stuff. Like that's where most that programmers that are. Programmers are just getting scooped up mirrors. by these big companies. Say that again. Sorry, internet cut out. I think most programmers are just getting scooped up by these big companies and they're working on something that's totally different than what you and I are working at down here in projects that are small enough that like we don't have enough budget to have our own programming team. So we're going to go hire a consulting company. You know what I'm saying? I don't know that I agree. So, I mean, my, my experience has been like I said, some product company experience. Not Titan's the first agency I worked for, and at Titan, one of those clients was a staff augmentation, where I was just like sure. one of a tiny chunk of contractors, and most, and it was a enterprise company with multiple yeah. branches, huge developer. Are you wearing staff. their shirt right now? I am actually. Okay, cool. So we're talking about the same company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That company. <laughs> yep. I think that's a great example. Great. That app was not mostly forms. I, that's funny. Funny you bring that up. I think it was. I think it wasn't. It was. No, just the very little corner of it that we worked on. At that company, I did a lot uh-huh. of forms. Oh, you're, you're saying that our, our work was, but the other people at uh-huh. that company's work wasn't. Right. Because we were on more of the back end, like admin panel stuff. Correct, which is where forms live. Sure. On the front end... A lot of form stuff going on on the front end. A lot of inputs going on on the front end. Yeah, I'm not I'm worried about like I'm. You're you're making a distinction about like inputs wrapped in a form tag with a button. Right. I'm talking about like that was a great example of a very Amazon like e-commerce like interaction where you filter things and you pull a slider to say your max and min price. Okay. And things live update. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You're doing that. There's a change event. There's an Ajax request submitted. Something comes back. Mm-hmm. State gets updated. The view gets updated. That's stuff mm-hmm. I'm talking about. I'm lumping all that in. Okay. This is all the same thing. The way you would do that in the olden days 
is you'd have a slider and then you'd have a submit button for your filtering. Now it might be a little more intelligent than that. It might recognize like a change event. You might submit an AJAX request. Sure. Okay. We just got to get past that. That's all lumped okay. in my mind. I don't see any of that stuff as forms. I think they're totally different concerns. And I think you should make different choices on, based on on those versus like a form that has a submit button. Okay. I think there is I think a submit button there. forms you should submit with the default HTTP submit methods. Yep. I think those other things should almost always be Ajaxed. I don't know. Maybe. Some filtering stuff. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely want to be able to just... You know what? Even that though. Let's like wave the the uh, counting app I used to use. Table of data. I update a filter or something. Is. It's just picture a table of your invoices or something. Uh-huh. I update a value. I don't care if it's a full screen refresh. It doesn't bother me. All the all the elements in it are going to change anyway. I like the full page refreshes because I know that the plumbing's working. You know. Hmm. Okay. Modals. A lot of uh-huh. you developers have their own modal component for yes. their app. They yes. write it themselves. They use something like VShow or VF. Right. You can do it with CSS. Forget even that. They're usually, they're almost always not accessible. Mm-hmm. Right? Like nobody's putting ARIA labels on their hand, hand-rolled modals. Okay. Right? Uh, sure, probably. Have you written a custom modal component? Uh, yes, and I didn't put ARIA labels on it. Right, me too. And I've done that in almost every app. Uh-huh. I didn't do ARIA labels, I didn't do ARIA roles, and I didn't do uh-huh. that tabbing thing where like one of the accessibility requirements of modals is that circular mm-hmm. tabbing so that if if yep. if you're... You go back, you to, go the back to the top. But if you don't uh-huh. manually implement stuff to do that, your tabbing will go below the modal in the DOM and to where it is on the page. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is another great example of something that before we were using Bootstrap's modal thing. You just copied Bootstrap's, you know, you go to the modal section on the Bootstrap docs. You copy all that DOM, which has all the ARIA labels in it. You paste it into your, your site. It feels kind of gross because you're copying and pasting, but everybody does this, I swear, at this time. Sure. Yep. You do that, you have modals, and they're accessible. And they're built, and they're perfect. Yep. Now yep. we get into view, we're rolling everything ourselves. So we have our own custom modal component. It's not accessible. It works. But we're fiddling with it as we go. We're just making it up as we go. Uh-huh. So now we're dealing with more of all these things that used to just be taken care of for us. And uh-huh. we're trying to do everything in the world so we can't go really deep on every little thing. So we don't have time to like really learn and understand modal best practices from an accessibility standpoint, from whatever, you know, mm-hmm. performance, anything. So I'm saying this is another example of how so you're saying the in 29 so you're that's what we used to do, right? And then you're saying and then we moved on to doing the bad thing. Yep. So what do you what is your prescription for the 2019 developer who wants to put, do a modal? Before step away from the React and the view stuff. Explore mm-hmm. out of the box options mm-hmm. like Bootstrap, like mi- mm-hmm. Micromodal is the one of the most popular modal things, even Sweet Alert. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't like it. Ultimately mm-hmm confirm window.confirm window.alert is mm-hmm. the ultimate modal in my opinion but that's kind of like a hot take <laughs> okay but basically that's what i'm saying is like this this pattern this paradigm of everything's view everything's react has basically 
made our apps worse in terms of accessibility, more complex in terms of usage, more bugs, more to manage, and we haven't really bought ourselves so, all that much. Interesting. So I think I'm coming around to what you're saying, but I think it had a lot to do with how I heard the title of your talk. Okay. The title of your talk being Write Less JS yeah. struck me as have less JS in your app. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not as write less JS, but have just as much JS. Just go get it from other places. Interesting. Because all of your prescription, I mean, the form submitting one, I still don't think that that's a real problem. Okay. Um, but the the other one, like the modals, yeah. your prescription isn't like generate modals with server render, like server rendered modals where you close it and do a page refresh on close. Yeah, no. Um, your prescription is have a JavaScript modal, just like you don't need to write the JavaScript. Someone else can write it. Yeah. Well, that uh, yeah, I think that's that's all good. You know. Yeah. I think if there is a good solution for the thing that you're about to write something for, and it's got a bunch of GitHub stars, you should use that solution instead of writing your own. Yeah. I don't know that that's particular to JavaScript though. I think that's just true. Yeah. I so maybe my main point is the thing I want people to really agree with by the end of this talk is mm -hmm. that this trend that we've all gone towards where everything starts with Vue or React in terms of a front end mm -hmm. results in way more complexity than is necessary, period, and worse applications. You know what I think would be a really cool thing to learn? Because I, I, think, I think more people than you think are going to be already agree with you. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think the place that it falls down is that you start with the one component. It all starts with one component. And then before you know it, yeah. it gets, you know, one's, one's too many and a thousand is never enough when it comes to components, yeah. you know? It's like you just, you start making components and then the whole thing's components and then you're managing state and you're in spaghetti land with state and props and events, you know? Yep. You've gotten there. Once again, you said you, said you were done, you know? Yeah. You, you swore off entirely. You went cold turkey on components, you know? Yeah. But then here I am, another app that I said I was just going to pull in this one goddamn star rating component. And now here I am passing a user object into my components, you know, once again. Yeah. I would love for you to tell me how can I just pull in one component? How do I, how do I JavaScript like a gentleman? How do I stop it? Like where, how do I stop it from becoming that thing? Right? Yeah. And you're telling me, you're telling me that the way to do it is like, we, if you don't, if you don't install the first component, then you can never get into component hell. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal. You know, if you don't take the first drink, you can't get drunk. Um, I'm saying, I'm just trying to learn how to drink like a gentleman over here. Is there a way... That I can just have two or three and then go home, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm after. That's that's and, and captures the, that's it the thing. Really well. like, I wonder. I wonder if there is. I wonder if there's like. I would Hold love on, smells. Out Sorry, I wonder if what. Yeah, our internet's yeah, really bad okay. today. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I wonder if there are smells where it's like, okay, like a star rating component, obviously that should be something that you have, you know, like you need star ratings, you need to like be able to click them and then, you know, whatever. Um, but like now you're the next thing, the thing right after that, that you do that takes you from being like a one component in a blade app to being a couple components wrapped in a view instance that like, we're getting, they're starting to go somewhere. Uh, I want smells for that. That's the stuff that I think is going to kill me. Because I've had so many projects that just got out of control that way. Yeah, I think this... this uh, They snowball. Yep. You're... So, I mean, you're hitting every nail exactly on the head. That That is the point of this talk. Is you're, you're helping me in a big way. It's write less JS, but it's it's really just like... It means write less JS. Don't have less JS. Also, what you're saying is like how to how to javascript like a gentleman exactly like the problem is it's very reasonable that we ended up where we ended up because you create one view component and it grows you want to create a second one and you want them to talk to each other so you want them to be housed under an umbrella i very specifically remember having a view basically having a view instance per page eventually after starting small and being like oh, mm-hmm. but now all my pages have this separate view instance so i can't like globally load like plugins and stuff so i need a global view instance that's one view instance in my app.js file. And that's when like Laravel itself, Laravel itself has influenced this in a lot of ways because out of the box, it has that app.js file with the global view component that is scoped to the, to the root element. Like it's mm-hmm. it, Laravel itself is influencing this in a big way. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah, what you're saying is like, but how do I do better? And I agree. Like it's very hard. How do you do better? Cause Okay. Well, How do I know when I'm about to yeah. enter crazy town? Oh, here's... It's like it's almost like debt. Let's talk about like because it's tech debt. That's what you end up creating. You know, you end up creating these hard to maintain systems. Yep. Because because you have so much technical debt, right? Yep. Um. It's almost like real debt, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah, no one ever means to be fifty thousand dollars in debt on credit cards. Right. Right. But, you know, it's one thing and then it's another thing, you know, like yeah. first your your kid gets sick and so you have to take a couple of days off of work. So you put the groceries on the credit card, you know, and then you're like, I'll figure out how to pay that next month, whatever. But then next month the car breaks down and you can't get to work. So you put that on the credit card, you know, and then. Now you're making enough credit card payments that you don't quite have enough to cover your normal monthly expenses and you can't figure out how to cut down quickly enough. Yep. So Betting it just track. grows and it grows and it grows. Yeah. You know? And does that mean that the prescription is never have a credit card? Right. No. You know what I'm saying? No, it's I don't think it is, but I think and I think the thi- I think a lot of people would be saved if there was a code smell or some sort of an intervention around the point where they're $4,000 in debt instead of $50,000 in debt, where they could say, oh man, I'm about to hit the point where this snowballs to a point where it's uncontrollable. Yeah. You know, It's a slippery slope. Where I'm going to give up and just accept that I'm now a person who lives on credit cards. You know? Yeah which is something that happens to people, you know? Yeah. 
And I think it's the same thing with JavaScript, right? Because like, just because you can build yourself an app that you can't maintain <laughs> with JavaScript doesn't mean that you shouldn't start using JavaScript where it's appropriate. doesn't mean you shouldn't get those Amex membership rewards points, you know? Um, but you, it's real easy to like slip in whoopsie doopsie. And then now I'm in tons and tons of debt. Yeah. With JavaScript. Where's the intervention? So where does someone, where does Dave Ramsey come in and say, buy a used car? Are you Dave Ramsey? Or you don't get to use credit cards until you all your debts paid. Yeah. Pull out the envelope, (laughs) stick your cash in it. You don't get to write JavaScript. You don't get to write JavaScript until until you've earned it. <laughs> until all of your forms are accessible. <laughs> it's true. You don't. Um, okay, so here's maybe one one place where uh, where you can draw a line, or here's a smell. Um, if you're on it, you're gonna be mad. You're gonna be mad. If you are submitting, you know what? Here's a smell. If you're submitting Ajax requests where you could use a native form submission. Where you could you use a native a form submission. I just saw what you did. You were about to say if you're submitting a form with Ajax, but then you expanded it to make it bigger. Um, no. No, I had to make it smaller. No, I'm saying we, where you're using okay. Ajax to submit data where you could use a form submission. Mm-hmm. That is a place... You know that that is a that is a line to draw. You could base it. So this is what this story looks like. You go. We need a date picker. We need it to be fancy. None of this default browser date picker stuff. Right. So there's this real sexy view component called view date picker. We're gonna pull it in. You can custom. You can use scope slots. Customize all the the templating yourself. It's gonna look perfect. We're, mm-hmm. we're already using Tailwind, and we don't want to mix CSS styles. So this is great. So we pull it in. We have our native form submission. We pull it in. We have the component. But the component doesn't actually set the value of an input element with a name. It just outputs, uh, you know, data. So you can v-model to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I have that data. I can I can easily use this formula input thing by just pulling it in from NPM. But now to get the data, I have to pull that into a, to a data property. You know, now it's in a data property. How do I get that data property over to the server? Well, Ajax, that's how. Mm-hmm. So that's the smell is, wait a minute. I'm submitting an Ajax request. That's a smell. Submitting the Ajax request is a smell. Then there's lots of areas where it's okay to submit them. But that's the starting point where if you don't take the first drink, it's Ajax. If you don't, mm-hmm. that's what it is. If you don't submit the Ajax request, you can never get yourself in this bind. You know, because then if you can't submit Ajax request, you would go, all right, well, I somehow I got to get this into a hidden input element. I got to set this as a value on a hidden input element inside of a form tag. Now we're Mm -hmm. now we're talking. Now we're back in the clear. What's the controller that that submits to? Um, The 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 gumball controller. No, 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 no. Like like let's. okay. so say it's like uh, whatever you're. uh... It's like a registering for an Airbnb. It's the create gumball creation the, form where you select the color, and you need to like slide around the color thing. Okay, right, but like the Ajax request, 
yeah. from the date picker. Yeah. It goes and hits a route. What is that route? Okay. The date picker is part of a, a bigger form. Mm-hmm. Right. What is the route of the form submission? submission, submission? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gumballs.store. Okay. Yeah. Gumball.store. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. I do know what you're saying. Like, if you draw that hard line, you'll be redirected mm-hmm. onto a path where you won't be tempted to create a bigger house and a bigger house and a bigger house or make this house talk to that house. So you need an mm-hmm. overarching house so they can talk to each other, you know? Because mm-hmm. that's just not as necessary. Where in the other scenario, now your data is in the data object. You go, well, I submit this to the server with Axios. So I need to get all the other data that's in the other form elements into this data as well. So I do that. I V-model all that data, right? And this is all well and good. I submit the AJAX request. What happens when it's finished? Do I redirect somewhere with window.location.href? Absolutely not. I don't need to. I can make this form in line on the page. and I could, But I need to now tell the list to update, the list of gumballs. I need to say, add this new gumball. Well, how do I do that without a full page refresh? I need to emit some sort of event. I need a bus. Or I need a state manager that I can ch- update the global state. And now the list will update automatically. Mm-hmm. You see the two stories? Mm-hmm. One ends with heaps of complexity and overtaking your whole code base like a disease. The other one ends with a simple hidden input element. Dude, hidden input elements are awesome. Yeah. You agree with this story? I feel like this is a seminal story here. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of these strategies. But this one I particularly. Just... does. Do you see it as a fair, a fair smell to sure. JavaScript yeah. like a gentleman? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good line, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the same thing. It's it's sort of like, you can think of Ajax as like selling your stuff, right? Like if, if drinking is causing you to start selling your things, yeah, (laughs) it's probably start, it's probably time to start looking at it, you know? Well, if Ajax, if JavaScript is causing you to submit forms over Ajax, might be time to take a look. Yep. You know, maybe you need to, you know, go to rehab. And rehab, let me tell you what rehab is. Rehab is those stupid forms that include a hidden input element where so that you can submit a post request without using Ajax. <laughs> Are you speaking from experience? Yeah, you know. You know what in I'm talking about. In an app that about. I've We're, written. <laughs> in, oh, I don't even know if you've done it, but I've done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've done it a million times where I'm like, I'm not ready to start writing JavaScript here yet. I'm just going to do the yeah. the stupid thing where I su- submit a form, but I say it's a put because it's an update. I'm on the edit page, so I'm going to like use that like put yep. uh, hidden element from right. Laravel. Right. You know, that's rehab. Yeah. Yep. Faking submitting post requests through forms is is rehab. Yep, that's true. For Ajax. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So a lot of it kind of revolves around... It's like a like button. Have you ever made a like button or like a plus one button? Yep. That was a form? It's just an icon. Yeah. But it's a it's a button. The icon is the submit button of a form. Like a like a logout. The default Laravel auth logout button is part of a form, a one input form. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, man. 
So. Yeah, man. So this is, um, I think I've hardened some of my point here. The next level. So basically. All right. So the other things that I was going to cover in the talk is like showing deferring data loading. Sure. Like if you want to load data, but you want to defer it because you don't want it to slow up the whole request. You're basically left mm-hmm. to Ajax. You have to feel comfortable. Oh, man. Here are the two things that you have to feel comfortable with to get the help you need to stop selling your stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to feel comfortable doing a native form submission. Mm-hmm. And you need to feel comfortable Ajaxing HTML, like returning HTML from an Ajax endpoint. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's a big jump. Yeah. That's part two. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole jump you made. But there, those are the two bud. things you have to embrace. Both of those things before you can start healing. When am I gonna get? Where is this AJAX HTML gonna come from? What what request did I submit with AJAX to get this HTML back? On load on the page load, you had an invoices table, but they uh-huh. from Stripe, so they take a long time, and you don't want to hold the whole page up. So right. you show a loading spinner, plain vanilla JavaScript. You say, on load whatever, yeah you send an Ajax request to an endpoint that's called like invoices partial or something. Sure. And then you get the HTML back and then you do some window, some document dot inner HTML. All right. So then when I do, when I do my filtering on the side. Okay. With my inputs yep. that aren't a form. Sure. Am I resending an Ajax request yep. and getting HTML yep. back? That sounds like the thing that we said that we don't do. It's just that the response is now HTML instead of JSON. Yep. So HTML. So everything that we just said, all those smells about if you're submitting AJ, if you're submitting forms with AJAX, it's bad. Well, it's not actually bad as long as you're getting HTML back instead of right. So let's talk about JSON. this. So I, I think one, it's simpler to not do that to just do another full form submission. That's simpler. Uh huh. So you uh-huh. should do that. But let's say that it's necessary. Like okay, for fi- filtering is a good. It's a good caveat that. A lot of the forms I'm talking about are not the type of like filtering a bunch of data on a page form, mm-hmm. right? Like sorting comments or something. Yeah. Like that kind of thing you want to be real time. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that case, people's default would be, let's say that that's a, that's a constraint. It has to be without a full page load. Yeah. You would think, well, I'm not going to Ajax HTML. It wouldn't even occur to you. You'd go, well, you return JSON from Ajax requests. So I'll get, I have to render the comments in a template from JSON. Run, render unto Ajax that which is Ajax's. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then I now you're templating it. And now you're in the loop again. You're back. Now it's in a, now it's in a, a blade, a view template. And now you're right. back. And now I'm, now I'm updating the state I'm updating the uh, the comments data object on my view component and then like re-rendering based on the comments that I injected. But like some of them have changed and some of them haven't. And I'm now trying to merge these two data objects and do this cr- whole crazy nonsense yep. that happens when you get Ajax responses that are JSON. Yep, because when they're JSON, they feel, to you it feels mutable like something you own when you get html you don't feel like you own it you feel like well i'm not going to manipulate this i'm just going to put it into the page i'm not going to concatenate this with other 
HTML snippets. I'm just going to put it into the page. I'm not going to push this HTML onto a stack of HTML. I'm going to replace a chunk of my page with it. And I think that's the mm. virtue of it. One of the virtues outside of all the obvious benefits of it being server rendered and you being able to use Blade for those partials and everything. Sure. But you feel that is a, a key distinction. You feel like you don't own it, right? You feel like the templating's done. That part's over. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go, there's nothing else I'm going to, I'm not going to parse this. I'm not going to do anything like that. Right? Or otherwise, when you get JSON, you're like, well, now I own this data. Where am I going to put it? A global state manager? Keep it right here to myself? Probably not. What if I need to update some comment count in a distant part of the page? That is that is a hang-up of the non-view, non-JavaScript <laughs> approach. What are you laughing at? Just, just the guy that you just were. That that character that you just did, yep. that voice. Oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Keep this all to myself? Probably not. <laughs> what if I need to update a comment count in a distant part of the page? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the owner of the bunny like, and the Santa Claus thing, or like the the white rabbit who's late in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that guy, but like writing JavaScript. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm late. Uh, yep. For very <laughs> what do I do with all this JSON? <laughs> <laughs> That's me. But this this is a definite hang-up of the new write last.js approach is what happens if I want to update something in a distant part of the page? You can do that, but you have to roll it. You're back to rolling your own stuff. Where in Vue, if you have a state manager, all the components can hook into what they want to and everything just updates and it feels clean and pure. This is where Livewire, this is the need that Livewire answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Oh, I'm into I it. Need to make this a seminar, like a day. I need more than thirty minutes. I think you need like a like a retreat. A right less JS retreat. Yeah. You stand in the river. <laughs> you know, with your with your fly bombs. Yep. You and a bunch of Laravel fly bums. You're in your waders. You're flicking lure. You know? Yep. And uh, no one there is writing JavaScript the whole time. No. And we're not going to meetups where there's other people writing JavaScript. Nope. No. Just a bunch of fly fisher people. So, for the scope of a 30-minute write less JS talk... I'm yes. going to shoot to you a basic framework and you're going to tell me if you think it's too much or too little or whatever. Pitch me. First step. Discuss what I mean by write less JS. That I mean mm-hmm. spas Actually are really writing. expensive. Managing your own bespoke JavaScript's really expensive. You end up creating a bunch of things that are not very accessible. And mm-hmm. just more work for you to maintain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And dealing with the glue code between the two systems is like a whole other layer that you wouldn't have to deal with otherwise. Yes. That's the cell. Yes. Then there's a couple examples, some harmless examples, like how I used to submit a form, how I started to submit a form with Vue, and how it was a, de- a degradation, de- how it degraded. Um, maybe another example, like, uh, I don't know, what, it, like a modal, like how I used to do modals, then how I started to do modals. Yes. Then talk, maybe I start with the modals, then go to the form, then talk about forms and how, like, this is where everything goes wrong is when all of a sudden you're not submitting your forms. Normally you're doing it with Ajax and your whole 
app turns into this thing. It eats it alive. So how do we step back from the slippery slope? And then I go into techniques of native form submission. Okay. Okay. Um, I think when you're doing, when you're going into the forms, I don't think you should go into it making that point that because this was on Laracasts, all of you have always been doing this, right? No, I don't have to say that, but I'm not yeah. going to. Because I think that's where you. I'm assuming are that lose 20% people. of people there write Laravel. Yeah. But I think that mo- I think I can assume this is the path for most people there. And even if it's yeah. not, even if they're late to the game, they can witness this and they'll go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense that that's where people come from. Because I think it is a common okay. path. Like, I'm kind of set on that. Okay. But, okay. But I also want to introduce simple Ajaxing HTML. You know, take 10 minutes mm-hmm. and show a basic, like, here's how you can just accomplish this with vanilla J- JavaScript and HTML. Maybe show I think that's the most valuable thing you're going to teach the whole time. Yeah, I agree. I think you should start with a side by side. Of what? I think you should I think you should add them rather than this. Okay. Where you start side by side with here's the old code, here's the new code. Yep. And you just work through your points ending with Ajaxing HTML. Right? And so you can basically say, like, here's the old way of doing it, right? Which is, like, Ajax and the JSON, updating the state, doing all this nonsense, yeah. you know? Which you kind of... Did you do that on Embrace the Backend? I forget. Yep. Yeah. So maybe you don't need to do that whole thing. But I think that'd be the cool thing. And so that you could say, like, okay, what are the possible options? You could submit the form, just submit a form, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. Okay, but then say... You know, word filtering or say we're doing comment sorting or blah, 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 blah. Well, then it's a situation where, or maybe you just start with filtering or comment sorting, right? Oh, oh, but now we have a full page reload. That kind of sucks. So assume that we had the constraint that it couldn't be a full page reload. Then we would want to Ajax HTML. Yeah. You know, like take them on the journey with you. Yeah. Like give them a problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah. Yep. It's truth. It's truth. Speak it's speak truth. truth to power. Uh, Speaking. The, the reason this talk is so hard, and I struggled with this when I did the first one, was mm-hmm. the scope is so huge. I believe so strongly in all these things, and the scope is huge. How do I mm-hmm. present this? That's what I'm saying. Like, limit it to one component. Don't try and make the point like JavaScript is bad, Ajax and JSON is always bad, blah, blah, blah. Make the point that like most of the apps I write, most of the situations I encounter, there's no need for me to do this nonsense where I up, get a list of things through JSON and then store them in global state and then update them everywhere. Like that's all pointless. There's better ways to do it. Most of the time, you can just use the default HTML APIs that exist. But occasionally, you need AJAX. And when you do need AJAX, you should use HTML instead of JSON. Yep. So I wonder if I should... It would be kind of fun to start out with, like, 
everything written in view and just working and like ready to go and just just like refactor away until the end of it we've just like slashed a ton of complexity yeah i mean that's the problem with that is that's basically the embrace the back end talk you know yeah which i mean this is another embrace by right js i do mean embrace the back end but i also mean embrace like other things on the front end be embrace npm <laughs> embrace npm no embrace the front end package manager <laughs> as a last resort right i do want to compare like the the way that we used to do things the decision tree was like can i do this with html it was pretty much like can i do this with bootstrap no i'll write some custom jquery then it became can i do this with view well yeah i can do everything with view so write view now it's can i do this with html no can i do this with css no can I do this with vanilla javascript no is there a package for this okay fine i'll write the custom view you can't do everything with vanilla javascript yeah i know but you know what i mean can i do this like with in a sane way but maybe we need to just step away from view maybe view is just the whole ecosystem and everything is just that's probably what you should you should probably do another conference talk where everyone thinks you're talking shit about view <laughs> you know you and evan you could really just like schedule a fight for next laricon there's so many other options out there that don't have all the you know baggage that view does at this point mm-hmm. there's some cool stuff out there for if you wanted to do a little bit of templating in your vanilla js you could get dirty with some of these like redom is one i was just checking out there's a bunch of them so let you use jsx that's all i want i just like jsx yeah you can and a lot of these give you like you can use them as a target of jsx good that's all i want yeah i just want i just like jsx like honestly like react doesn't need to be react right i just want to be able to write my own objects with my own methods on them that are real javascript objects with real methods yeah you know yeah, i feel you just don't make me do any of this nonsense where i have to return a closure to give you an array I agree that uh, JSX, we definitely need to expand JSX. Like it needs to be a universal, and it is kind of in JavaScript. Like it is pretty universal, yeah. mm-hmm. but we should even expand it to the back end. Oh boy. A lot of good stuff here, D. Cole. Well, it is in Node. Server it rendered is. React. Sure it is. Of course in it Node is. Node is in JSX. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Bada bing. Pretty cool. Mm. You could make JSX. Yeah, I mean, you could make a JSX parser in PHP. I'm positive this exists. And it would just compile to... As far as the actual, like, syntax, like, being not just a not bunch of stuff in a string, you'd need, like, a, like a you know, compile, like, compiling PHP or transpiling. So you're saying you're writing your PHP templates in JavaScript? No, you'd write your PHP, you'd write your JSX inside your PHP template, you know? Like you could Uh return JSX from a Blade or a Laravel controller. And then something in PHP would parse the JSX into create element functions, you know, or something, or H functions for PHP. 
and then you'd have something that just consumes h functions to create a dom a vdom tree with json or to render a native dom template or whatever mm. it's all possible and most of it exists if we could get that's weird though what i don't know if i like that i know it is weird but yeah i don't know if i like it either what do you think about php plus i haven't really dug into it i want somebody to do this like i want somebody to crack this code where we all are really into using a transpiler for php and if it's runtime and we never have oh, to yeah. build yeah i want i want somebody to really do it well but it's gonna be hard as yeah. hell and the person who does it has to be like extremely shrewd on what features it uses to gain mass adoption. Mm-hmm. I don't know about runtime. Oh, um, that's fine. I think maybe what I want is uh, no. I guess it'd have to be runtime. Yeah. It wouldn't though. It could be compile time. Well, then we'd have to compile. But yeah, for sure. Don't get me started. Filing anyway. Build steps. Aren't you already doing them? No. I guess you're not. So you're not. What? So you're writing native CSS? What are you doing? Yeah, write it wherever I can. Yeah. Pretty much rarely what? ever write SAS. Yeah, man, you can do a ton with Tailwind. But you can't do a Tailwind. You just do with CSS. Nonsense. CSS is great. I know. And if you don't have to support IE11, you're golden. Yeah, that's a bummer. Nesting them. <laughs> the nesting's a bummer. That's the but... only thing. I just want CSS. I just want CSS like 7.9. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, it's just native CSS. We're done with SAS. We're done with less. That's so weird with all this stuff. that we have to do all this extra stuff. It's like, why can't we just nest CSS? Shh. Just give me that. Just give me that and some variables, and I'm Gucci. <sighs> Heard that. <laughs> I'm with you. Especially if I, especially if it's like, especially if CSS had access to like JavaScript variables, dude. Like if I could just use like window.colors.main in my CSS. Don't get crazy. There and, is. And then update it, and then it would all update. Yeah, that would be crazy. It would be. That's dreaming. California dreaming. California dreaming on such a Wednesday. This is the longest episode we've ever recorded. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to go for another minute and a half. You oh, know? we have to. Yeah, I'd hate to leave the listener short of the two hour mark when we're this close we're so close listener it's we're shockingly close um I, sh- I should mention this to anybody who's still hanging on here um if mm-hmm. you do live in europe somewhere in europe <laughs> you you already mentioned it to the listener did, but did but i explicitly ahead. like what did i say tell people to come you, you were like if you're there come 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 on by oh no i mean that but i have i have free tickets Oh, I think you said I that. I said I it, know. but I didn't get to expound on it. Um, I think <sighs> I have two free tickets to give away. To Laracon EU. Or to, to Full uh, Fullstack Europe. Yeah. Gosh. So if anybody's around there, hit me up. I'll give you a free Antwerp. ticket. Come say hey. Hang out. That's awesome. Yeah. 
You, really where cool. else are you going in Europe? Are you just going to Paris and Antwerp? Yep. Yeah. Nice. I'll be back. Go. go I'm, you gonna you gonna, gonna move go to, to Europe UK, now? Visit uh, David Peace and Mark. P- salmon, salmon, Solomon. Solomon. What's that? Solomon Rushdie. You gonna move to Europe? No. You're not gonna move anywhere. No way. You're not a mo- You're not a mover. But let me tell you, Deco. The reason I'm not a mover is because mm-hmm. Hamburg, New York, is the greatest place to live on Earth. Yeah. Well, it's the steelhead fishing is out of this. I mean world. that. That's why I've just been over the top. I feel this way even before this. But add this on top. Why would I ever move anywhere? Where else could be better to live? It's not about where is better. It's about variety. I have you all know? the variety That's I the need. That's the spice of life. You got steelhead right there. You got your steelhead and your normal trout <laughs> and your lake fishing. No, for real, Hamburg, you could be a beach bum. There's like natural beach. There's actual beach. There's so you could saltwater fish. You could lake fish. You could river fish. No saltwater. <laughs> In the lake. How far is it to the ocean? Um, it's a quick sail down the St. Lawrence, and you, you're dumped out. <laughs> there you go. Ocean's seven hours. Six Ugh. or seven hours. But, dude, for real, you, you got a boat? You can have a boat here. You go boat all over Lake Erie. Good to go. Tributaries, rivers, whatever. You got Niagara Falls right here? It's fine. Nobody cares about Niagara Falls. Hamburg. Don't boat there. Hamburg, this little slice of western New York has uh-huh. awesome beach access, awesome stream and creek access, tons of hiking outdoor stuff and indoor stuff. Great like little like local library. The community's amazing. I live in a village that's like from a, has a library. No, 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 not like this library. I live in a Norman Rockwell painting without the I live in a Norman Rockwell painting basically. Uh-huh. That's what what Hamburg is. It's Mayberry huh. but not Yeah, it's Mayberry. There you and go. who wouldn't want to live in Mayberry? Tons of people. <laughs> Everyone who wants to live in Paris. True. Facts only. Would you ever live in Europe? Yeah, totally. Really? Why not? Yeah, I don't know. I guess you already live in other countries anyway. What's the difference? I just like, you know, you got to roll the dice sometimes and be like, I'm going to uproot my whole life and do something new. Yeah. You do it by quitting your job and yeah, taking a sabbatical and becoming a live wire maintainer. I do it by keeping my job but moving across the country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So the thing is, I am a five-minute drive from my parents' house. I have dinner with them every and Sunday. And your wife's parents' my, house. That's a 25-minute drive. So, But still, I mean. So both of our families are here. And, like, you don't have that. You're alone. Yeah. You don't have any. Yeah, other. my parents My parents are in the, the other what side What is of the that world. like, knowing that you can't just go see them? Well, I could. I just have to buy a plane ticket. Right. But that's serious, you know? Yeah, it's serious. Does it ever provide you with any amount, or did it ever, when you were younger, any amount of anxiety that you can't just go, like, be with your parents? Yeah, totally. Like, I got kicked out of college, and I had no money. Um, And I was like, well, I guess I have to figure out how to live here, because I can't go, like, back to my parents' house, you know? So... 
and on in breaks in college breaks and stuff were you like so harry potter at hogwarts for my freshman year they were there for my freshman year so i would go home during my freshman year my sophomore year i went home with some other friends okay and then i got kicked out so i didn't have to figure it out for the rest of the years gotcha but yeah huh there was a whole scene man I don't know if they're going to retire or not. We'll figure we'll figure that if out. If they retired, would they come back? Yeah. Your mom misses Baltimore winters or something. I saw her oh, yeah? on her Instagram feed. You follow my mom on Instagram? I follow like five people and one of them is Rico. She's <laughs> yeah, killer, dude. She's great. She has some she's sick great. pictures. She's really Yeah, good. she's not playing. She's not playing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She's solid. Mm-hmm not playing at all um yeah go follow my mom on instagram yeah for real let's get killer killer shots of tokyo my mom's like got a way better instagram than i have (laughs) i don't follow you on instagram (laughs) that's good because i don't post i don't even know why i follow her i don't know why i did that at some point but i did and i don't know it's great though she she does have a great instagram i don't regret it and if anybody while we're selling family members instagram hannah kath photo there's oh yeah instagram you've got your own familial instagram hannah is getting into vlogging oh i know you've mentioned that this was a possibility is it happening it's happening she's buying a gimbal so it's really happening no way awesome what's she gonna vlogging about photography no, or disney disney and travel disney 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 world <laughs> disney world go down to disney world I think Disney were is the appropriate. Disney were. I, I go down to Disney were a couple three times a year. Couple three times a year, go down to Disney. Put Disney were tickets on. Yep. Disney were. Disney were. Um, also, Hannah asks me all the time, "Did you tell Daniel? Did you tell Daniel?" So I'm going to tell you. You ready? What? She uh-huh. told me this today. She tells me it all the time. Here's my message for Daniel from Hannah. Yes. Oh, I forget exactly. But eat vitamin, take vitamin B12 capsules, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Your canker sores will go away. Really? Yeah. She would get it like a canker sore a month. Bad. Mm -hmm. And she told our doctor at -hmm. her last like checkup last year. And he's like, oh, take vitamin B12. You're probably B12 deficient. It'll go away. She did. Hasn't had one since. She takes a no way. B12 supplement every day, like Nature's Bounty or something. Hannah. I think it's B12. Pretty sure. Uh, you should <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it. She tells me all the time. So, mm. there you go. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and confirm which B it was. <laughs> Let's just assume B12 until I tell you otherwise. I mean, B12 will give you energy regardless, so. Oh, two hours and six minutes, man. Oh, this is good. This is good. Good one. When we're yawning at the episode, at the end of the episode, you oh, know it's a long you one. Know, you know we worked hard for it. Yeah, we we put a lot of work into this for you. I'm grateful. We did, you sons of sons of sons of Sam pigs. Son, you son of a pig. You son of. Did you ever get into Elliot Smith? Did you get real into Elliot Smith at any point? No. I have friends who are really not my friend who I say is just like you, like you lead the same life. Like he was an Elliot Smith. Uh huh. So I know Elliot Smith. It's weird that it's dark. Yeah. 
some of it, yeah, a lot of it is subdued. You know, you should try and learn because uh, you're a better guitarist than me. I think at this point, uh, you should try and learn uh, Alameda by Elliot Smith on the guitar. It's a really good acoustic guitar song to learn. Check it out. Type it into Spotify. Dun, 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 dun. Alameda. Okay. So I think that's actually pronounced Alameda in Los Angeles, where he's from. Or where he was when he recorded it. Mm. But he's actually from Portland. But in Baltimore, there's a road called the Alameda, which is spelled the same way. Gotcha. Yeah, you should learn it. It's a good song. Your boy. All right. Uh, Speaking of music, how about that outro music? Should we cue it? I'd love it if you would. Cue the outro. Bump, bun up. Now. All right. Hell yeah. That was so long. Dun, 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 dun.